श्री वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जाए कौर भक्तवृंद की जाए so continuing our discussion of Srimad Bhagavatam, tonight we come to the beginning of the sixth chapter of the first canto, conversation between Nard and Vyasa. Sutuvacha evam nishamya bhagavan devashya janma karmacha buya paprachatam brahmana vyasa satyabhati sutta Vyasuvacha Bhikshuve Vipravaviste Vipravasite Vigyana Destrivistava Vartamano Vyasyadye Tatakyamakarod Bhavan Swayam Bhuva Kaya Bhritya Vartitam Te Parambhaya Katam Chedam Udarakshihi Kale Prapte Kalevaram Prakalpa Vishayam Etam Smritim Te Muni Sattama Nahi Esha Vyavadat Kala Esha Sarva Nirakritihi These are the first five verses of the text that constitute Sutta's introductory verse and Vyasa's initial questions to Narada that follow, of course, the story in the previous chapter of Narada's own life, which he himself launched into as a means to explain further what he had already explained in a more abstract form of philosophical discourse in the form of a narrative and a compelling narrative indeed, the narrative of his own life dating back to a previous day of Brahma. Hmm? This is a very good technique for capturing the attention of the student and, as I say, helping him or her to better understand in the context of a narrative that's interesting in and of itself the same philosophical points and perhaps more that were elaborated on or spoken directly about previously. So coming to the conclusion of that basic narrative and raising the points that he wants to raise, concluding again as he did in the philosophical discourse that preceded the narrative, concluding with the emphasis on what Vyas should do, as we heard, Please, therefore, describe the Almighty Lord's activities, which you have learned by your vast knowledge, and so forth. In other words, write the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Uh, speak, write in such a way that emphasizes unknown, no uncertain, uncertain terms, in no uncertain terms, uh, that bhakti hmm, is the way, bhakti is the goal, hmm? Gyan and karma are only as useful as they're connected with bhakti unto themselves, they're meaningless, and so on and so forth. And to date, Vyas had not done that, thus his despondency, despite his knowledge. So, as we come to this chapter, then, Vyas's interest has certainly been uh, aroused. He's paid close attention, and he inquires further, he would like to hear more about the life of Nard. Hmm? Sutta introduces the chapter by saying, O Brahmins, Sutta Goswami is telling the story, of course, thus hearing about Nard's birth and activities, Vyas, the incarnation of God and the son of Satyavati, inquired as follows. Sri Vyas said, What did you do, Narada? after the departure of the great sages who had instructed you in transcendental knowledge before the beginning of your present life. O son of Brahma, how did you pass your life after initiation and how did you attain this body having quit your old one in due course? 
O great sage, time annihilates everything in due course. So how is it that this subject matter, which happened prior to this day of Brahma, is still fresh in your memory, undisturbed by time? So these are the questions of Vyas that stimulate, will give Nard the opportunity to go into some greater detail and we see some, there's some interesting points that uh, arise here. Uh, first of all, his, the nature of his inquiry, the fact that he's inquiring, the importance of inquiry, and the extent, the measure of his inquiry is considerable, as, as we'll see as we go over it. Um, the Prabhupada uh, has emphasized here in this section without commenting much. It's, there's not a lot in one sense to, to, to say here. It's a, a little bit of the telling of the story, but uh, Prabhupada stresses this process, the very inquiry of Vyas, if you will, is known as Saddharma Pricha. <coughs> Saddharma Pricha. To inquire about the, the nature, the, uh, the real, the, the truth about, about Dharma something like that. So, this is a phrase that uh, comes, of course, from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's one of the angas of Bhakti. Hmm. Um, maybe f- fifth or sixth of those listed, beginning with Guru Padashraya, taking shelter of the Guru, um, receiving initiation, uh, taking uh, hearing instructions that will then solidify and help to bring out the significance of the initiation, uh, serving the sadhu, sadhu serving the guru affectionately, saddharma pricha, something like that next. Hmm. Uh, inquiring about the nature of dharma. Later on in the text, when Rupa Goswami, after listing the Angas, you know, from hearing from Shimamba Bruce's classes, of course, and from your own reading, that Rupa Goswami then elaborates briefly on each Anga. First he lists them, then he goes through them one by one, and usually gives examples from different texts, primarily the Bhagavatam, but also other Puranas and sacred texts that illustrate the significance of a particular Anga or limb of, of Bhakti, what its significance is, and uh, it, evidence for it and so forth. With regard to um, this particular one, inquiring about the nature of Dharma, uh, I believe it's Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami says, this means inquiring about bhakti. So, this is of course the Parodharma that is the subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, it is the subject of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and the context then, therefore, in which this comes up, inquiry about Dharma, means inquiry about this kind of Dharma. Hmm. Uh, the Paro Dharma, uh, not just religious life, and not just uh, the spiritual life, but supra-religious and spiritual life, as is described in the Gita, susukam kartamovyam dharmam prakshakavam susukam it's very interesting to uh, juxtaposition knowledge and dharma, because as we've explained before, they almost seem to be in opposition to one another in as much as one treads the dharmic or religious path with a view to bring about the in, uh, ingress of knowledge, at which time when one is filled with the ingress of knowledge or mystic insight, wisdom, dharma is uh, surpassed and all of the guidelines of the moral life and so forth meant to um, keep one in the straight and narrow, have been uh, transcended, they've been fulfilled. One is moral and more. Hmm. 
supramoral. So uh, we come to Gyan, then Dharma is transcended. But here Krishna says that this knowledge, this is quoting the Gita that he's giving in the ninth chapter, which is bhakti, really. Bhakti is the end of knowledge. He says it's religious. This knowledge is religious. <laughs> this knowledge is dharmic. So it's a, it's a super-religious idea. That's why bhakti sometimes is misconstrued to be nothing but the karma marg or the dharma marg, because in Gyan marg, it, it, the, the um, sadhakas and siddhas are overtly um, not involved in the world, in worldliness, whereas devotees may overtly being very involved in the world, building temples and planting crops and uh, shopping for the deities and so on and so forth. They're not sitting in a cave, only breathing once a month and uh, and so on. Hmm? So they look very much like ordinary people. We talked about the great Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and his traveling in motor cars and the printing presses and so forth. Even amongst the Vaishnavas, this was... He was thought to be too worldly, but he employed the principle of yukta bhairagim of using the modern world in this context. He kind of extended that, that idea of yukta bhairag, that everything belongs to God. Just give up your attachment to the thing, and uh, as a, in the sense of being its proprietor, understand the proprietor and use it in in the Godhead's service and so forth. So. Vaishnavism, therefore, a little difficult to understand. It said, Vaishnavarakriyamudrabhignenabhujai. The activities of the Vaishnava are difficult to understand. The motivation behind them is hard to ascertain for the ordinary person, and they look often like the activities of ordinary persons or religious persons, let us say. <clears throat> so they're supra-dharmic. Uh, so, the, here, for, therefore, inquiry into the nature of, the real nature of dharma, sad-pritcha, uh, sad-dharma-pritcha, is inquiry into the nature of bhakti, the mysteries of bhakti. Hmm? Uh, so, there's a place for this, there's a place for inquiry. Um, we shouldn't be shy to, to ask questions, we shouldn't think that... Uh, that uh, we might look like a fool, we'd be more of a fool not to ask the questions than to pretend we know when we don't, pretend we understand because it's it looks like everybody else is, and if I don't, then maybe they'll think less of me. I mean, this is the ego finding its way and staying alive in the in the in on on. The, in the death chamber, in the gas chamber, which is where he's entered here. He's still finding a way to stay alive. Just like you see that you go to the waterfall here. The other day I was at the waterfall, some of us were, and I went under the main waterfall there, and there, under there, no sun, you know, no earth, just solid rock, and there's a little plant coming out. And as I was thinking, the ego, it just, you know, it thrives somehow or other. On just this practically nothing. It's it's very powerful. Ordinary death is a small, small thing. Hmm? When Mahaprabhu commented about that, if I could have attained bhakti by dying, I would have killed myself a thousand times without thinking. Hmm? No, it's not so easy. Hmm? An ego death, in even of itself doesn't necessarily give him one bhakti. Of course, we kill the ego in the context of bhakti, so that it'll never grow again. It's, I give an example before, it's like, it's one thing to throw something away, it's another to dig a hole and put it inside and cover it up. But as you know here, at Madhavan, you can put a pipe under the ground and cover it up and come back after the rainy season and there it's on the top again. Hmm? So, we need to take this ego, we need to give it a death and bury it hmm? and build a temple on top of it hmm? and dance and do Harikirtan. This is bhakti. It'll never, ever come up again. Ariya krichjena param padam tatapatanti adho nadita yushmadangraya. There are those jnanis who have attained 
jivan mukti, mukti in this life, but they have no regard for bhakti. Hmm? And their ego resurfaces after who knows how long of trying to kill it by another method. Hmm? Because they had no regard for bhakti, Bhagavatam says, we find evidence it, it again springs forth. And from that position, they again come down. Hmm? Krishna says in the Gita, what? Vishwanath Chakvaritaku says he's pointing like this to his chest. My Maya, my Maya Durata, it's insurmountable. It's no possibility of crossing over. But those who surrender to me, then it becomes easy. Without bhakti, it's not possible. But here we are, even in the context of bhakti, and we should know this is part of that. The, the part of this this chapter is about your swarup. This is what this chapter is about. Hmm? As we see here, this is the nature of the inquiry. It's a high level of inquiry, actually, and it has the right spirit. But it, the, and the, the swarup, as we said, this mukti of the Bhagavad, mukti ritpanita rupam swarupena vivastitihi. It's twofold. It's killing the ego, the material ego, the conventional ego. Hmm? I was listening. Tristan Prabhu sent me a link to a, a video of 50 scientists speaking about God. Do they believe in God? Not one of them believed in God uh, on this particular video. And they were just short, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, each person then fading out, fading into the other one. And, uh, of course, I had an answer. I wanted to say, you know, reply to e- each one but it was quite interesting in, in their respects, and, and some of the things they said I agreed with very much as well. Um, for example, um, one person was saying that, well, you know, we think we're an individual person, you know, but if we go and take out part of the brain, that person will change entirely. So, what, you know, who is that? There is no person in there. It's just a brain function. If we took out a certain, we change a part of the brain, that person will turn into a different person. So obviously, this person sense that we have of ourselves is just a brain thing. I couldn't agree with them more, actually, in a sense. This, but that is the conventional ego, egoic sense of self. That person is here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? But there's more to the story then as well as to what constitutes an entity than our present karmic makeup and so forth of likes and dislikes and so on. Of course we should we should also know that in the context of bhakti that 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 swarup that we seek to attain a permanent position in Christian service, it does start to show itself in due course, even in this life. So, that's a big subject. We'll, we'll get on to that. But, um, at any rate, Vyasir makes some good, uh, uh, significant inquiries. He does so. Submissively, he sets a standard that has been set elsewhere by others throughout the sacred texts. To uh, uh, and so there's a place for that. There's a place for such um, inquiry. Hmm? Um, a curiousness to know, uh, but it it. Uh, it has to be honed uh, to the point that it is an inquiry that is essential in a pursuance of that which will help me to make progress along the path and understand the path better and so forth. It's not just uh, we an idle kind of curiosity. Mm. So what type of inquiry? Inquiry about bhakti. How? What is bhakti? How does bhakti work? How does? Uh, 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 what is the theory and so on and so forth? These are meaningful uh, 
inquiries. Vyasa is inquiring in the context of wanting to hear more about the life of Narada. What did he do after his initiation? Um, how was it that he remembered a life of millions and millions of years ago? Hmm? When that body, he remembered it and it is, is gone. How did he get the body that he has now? Hmm? Very. This is actually very deep. He wants to know, how can I get a body like that? Do I have a body like that? How did that happen? How do you get your swarup? Have anybody, anybody asked that question here before? We've had it come up, you know, a few times. Hmm? It's not a no-no question. It's not sometimes we say, don't ask that question. You know, go there and find out. Well, go where? Sometimes Prabhupada would say, go there and find out. But this is a different... If someone would ask an idle question about Krishna Lila, he'd say, why don't you go there and find out? But if you ask, how do I go to Krishna Lila? How do I attain a form like that? like Krishna's and so forth. Uh, it's apparently, it's a valid question. This is really what's, what Narada is, uh, what Vyasa is asking here. Hmm? So the teacher, this brings to the, us to the fact that the teacher should be, uh, should be learned, and what else? The idea of inquiring submissively is there in the Gita. Tadvidhi pranipatene pariprasnena sevaya. Upadekshantite jnanam so the inquiring spirit of the student is addressed, submissive inquiry with a willingness to, to render service and so forth, and the qualification of the person whom we should inquire from, where we will get our inquiry will bear fruit, is also described. Gyaninas, tatvadarshina. Gyaninas means he has knowledge. It means... Shabde pare chanishnatam brahmane upashamashrayam. She knows the, the text, the scripture, she knows the theory. Gyaninas is in the plural. So it may also mean that inquire from, that there may be a plurality of such gurus. Or sometimes the plural is used to, to uh, uh, emphasize. The, uh, to glorify that, that knowledge that the guru has. It's a special kind of knowledge that uh, we cannot get elsewhere. That, of course, is found in Scripture and is explained in a meaningful way, in a, in a compelling way, to the student. And so he has the knowledge, he has the knowledge, and tattva has experience. Hmm? As I said before, you can have a cow with teats and you can pull on them all day long, but if you don't get milk, then... You won't get nourished. So uh, you can have a gun with blanks in it. It might scare somebody a few times, but next time they come around, <laughs> if they don't have any bullets and they know that it's just noise, then it won't be effective. So should be backed by by realization. This is the statement of the Gita to inquire from such persons. That'll be useful. That that the submissive inquiry there that is appropriate. Um, and in this kind of inquiring spirit, he said, what, pariprasnena, it, it is combined with pranipat, sevaya, so submission and service. This is, the, this is the beginning of the forming of that real self and the killing of that conventional self, hmm? that egoic self that the scientist said, well, what is that? What is that self? I take a part of the brain out and it's, see, what is it? Hmm? Yeah, we also say it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. We agree with you. Hmm? But that's not the end of the story. Hmm? Um, so, inquiring in the context of submissive inquiry. Prabhupada, I've told a story before, he was with some students and uh, one of his students was at the time studying at the university at his uh, request to finish his degree and he brought back a uh, one of the uh, someone at the th- from the theology department and so Prabhupada was giving the lecture and the uh, professor of theology raised his hand to ask a question and his question was 
I believe it was, who is, who is God? Who is God? What is God? <laughs> and Prabhupada said, what is this? You are teaching about God and you do not know? <laughs> you are being paid to teach about God and you don't know? This is Prabhupada, you know. <laughs> uh, and then he said, what do we call that? And his student who had invited the teacher said, we call that cheater, not teacher. <laughs> and the man who had some patience, I guess, the professor, he said, uh, then Prabhupada said, uh, he quoted the source, Tadviti Pranipatena, from the Gita. You must inquire submissively. Uh, no, no, no. Prabhupada, Prabhupada said, uh, No, I guess the man, the, the, the teacher quoted the verse. He said, No, pranipatena, tadviti pranipatena, I'm inquiring submissively from you, you know. And Prabhupada said, No, this is not submissive. You see all these boys here, and I guess they were all boys at that time, in the room, he said, Shaved head, like they have this, that is, that is pranipat. Shido Marsh put it like this, they came here, they come with a one-way ticket. Nitai hmm? Sundar was telling me the story today, how he, when he first came to uh, join me in, at Audarya, you know, he bought a ticket, and it was a round-trip ticket, right? And I was on the bus from the San Francisco, someone offered me a job. But didn't you have a ticket? No, no. Oh, I see. Right, so he, he was coming. He was on the bus from the airport to San Jose, or to, to 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 Santa Rosa to come to Aldaria. He was talking with some guy, and, and the guy he told him what he was doing. He was young. He was only eighteen when he came, and the guy said, "Well, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, you know, here's my card. I can give you a job. You know, I got I could use a young guy like you, something like that." So then I guess the bus stopped. He went into the bathroom, and he thought, "You know, this is my way out. If it doesn't work, you know." He's tore it up remembering Sridharmar's commentary. Don't come with a you know, come with a one way ticket, you know, don't come cutting a return ticket. I'm here. I'm here to stay, you know. I've I've come and place everything before you and this kind of <laughs> So Prabhupada told him, No, not like that, Pranipat. Shave your head, come here, live then he was heavy, so he was he was actually making a very uh Significant point, probably for the benefit of all of his his his, his students, and um, so there's a a quality to uh, it's it's not just curiosity seeking, uh, intellectual intellectual uh, uh, stimulation and so forth, but with the necessity. Therefore, probably just say not everybody needs a guru, because not everybody wants to make a comprehensive solution to the problems of life. I, mean, I was certainly pressed to make a comprehensive solution. I was listening again to some of these scientists and I was interested to find that some of them just didn't didn't find that there were that the big so-called big questions of life were very interesting to them. They had a very they had a big brain but a very myopic, you know, preoccupation with some little aspect of the world and they were dissatisfied with that. Others did think about the bigger riches a little more. I just thought they came up with some but uh, unpalatable conclusions, different reasons of their own, of course. But there is a place for submissive inquiry, and there are people who who know. They know that is to say, in the least, they know that um, there is a another method of knowing. The ordinary method of knowing is more of a Prabhupada termed it an ascending way of knowing. Like you go to college, you get knowledge, you take it, you put it in your file, you use it when you want to better your sense of self. Uh, you put knowledge on your agenda. This is the knowledge on which, on whose agenda you are on. It's a very striking contrast. This knowledge has a purpose of its own, and it's generously including you on it. So there's a very uh, different way of looking at the world, not the, of a of a taker 
And uh, it, it, but uh, like it said, I think it was Grover Cleveland that if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. So that's a very different kind of way of knowing than trying to arrest the whole world in the fist of your intellect and verify it. And so, I mean, they were not against observable evidence and uh, and, and so forth. But we can only observe so much with the small intellect that we have and understand so much. There may be another way of understanding. If there is intelligence to existence, if the world has intelligence, hmm, if it has secrets, then by loving it, you might know it. So the, the, the whole bhakti idea is a way of approaching the world through respect for the world, for nature, for participating in it rather than conquering it, uh, uh, and so forth. So this submissive inquiry is is very much a part of that. Inquire in the right place, inquire in the right spirit. We find it in the Gita, as we find it in Bhakti Rasamrita, we find it in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the great Sanatana Goswami. Keami kene jartapatrai. He said, Grami ahada vyabhari pandit. In the village, I am known as a pandit, a learned man. Indeed, he was. He used to sit, not in the village, but in the kingdom, you know, in the in, 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 in palace of the, of the uh, ruler of Bengal. And in his home, he was he was like, like the uh, like a an aide to the to the king and spokesperson for him and so forth. In his home, he used to sit with pandits, surrounded by them, and discuss the Srimad Bhagavatam. He he was a very learned person, but he approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with this spirit. He said, "If I'm a learned person, why I have to suffer from the?" Miseries of material existence. When, and who am I, by the way? What am I? Why am I? These were the pressing questions that that uh, he approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu submissively with. Hmm? Such a great uh, person he was, such an extraordinary person in his time. Hmm? So in Chaitanya Charitamrita we find it, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. In Upadeshamrita we find an, uh, an idea like this too. Guyamakati pricha, prichati, guyamakati, that there are secrets, and you have secrets. Hmm? There are secrets that will be revealed to you in the context of your bhakti. Hmm? And then you will uh, be, be want to confirm those secrets. And so that you will share them in confidence with your guru. And you may also, and this is what Narada Vyasa is doing here, prichati, guyamaketi, prichati. So you may share your secrets and you may inquire about his secrets. Hmm? Narada is asking here, or Vyasa is asking here, how did you get that swarup? How did you get that body? He said, "In you know, as we know from the previous chapter, in a previous life of Brahma, I was born as the son of a maidservant. I got the association of the devotees who stayed at my house for the four months of the rainy season. They blessed me. I got bhakti. They initiated me. They gave me the mantra. Hmm? I developed love of God. Hmm? He told the story. And he's telling it in a body that's obviously not the son of a maidservant. He's depicted as being like hovering just above the ground. Hmm? It's a way of saying, this is, it, it was a very different body. He had his vena and so forth. Narada's form is very extraordinary as it's described in the text. So we might ask the Advaitans, where did he get that form? What's that all about? Nard became liberated Hmm? He told the story, and as we'll see in this chapter, in his reply to Vyas, that liberation constituted not merely removing the ego, killing the ego, hmm? that thing that's relative to the way your brain is shaped and environmental influences and your karma, basically. Hmm? Uh, 
And, and, and of course, we should say that just changing the brain doesn't really kill the ego. <laughs> it, it, it lives on. <laughs> That's another thing. It changes its form. Hmm? But the ego that will form another conventional sense of self, an American, an Indian uh, a man, a woman, and so forth, that will live on to kill that. This is more of a, of a challenge, as we were saying. But when Narda killed it, hmm, and he got liberated, he obviously got a body that was not the son of the maidservant. So there's two parts to this mukti that is found in Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's not as bad a word as Sarvabhumbhattacharya thought, if you think it out, when he wanted to change the Bhagavatam, when it said, Jiveta yo mukti pade sadaya and change it to Jiveta yo bhakti pade sadaya Mahaprabhu said, that's all right, think of it like this, mukti at the feet of Bhagawan. You can get liberated at the feet of Bhagawan. Not that you you uh, uh, merge into the Brahman and have no sense of of the serving identity and so forth. No. So it's twofold. Removal of the conventional ego hmm, and Swarupena Vavastiki, becoming situated in one's own nature, one swarup, at realizing the potential of the jiva, which the Tathasta Shakti has the potential to live in Leela. With the, when it comes under the influence of bhakti, hmm? Maya Shakti doesn't have that potential. Hmm? But the jiva Shakti does. It, it's tata. So it can live in one side or the other. To live on that side, hmm, that is, he must be invited. This is bhakti. He must get the invitation. And then we, once the invitation comes, then you pursue, of course, the invitation. And all it says, go here, go there. Hmm. Go over here, listen to him, get this instruction, follow, and so on and so forth. So this is the story here in this chapter, as I say, as how Nard achieved his swarup. Hmm? That the Bhagavatam is teaching that there's a swarup. <laughs> that it's that the, it's not that it's not teaching a Dvaita Vedanta as some people would like to construe it. Hmm? It's very obvious from this uh, this chapter, right in the onset, right in the beginning of the Bhagavatam. I had a maidservant's body. Now I have this body with my vena. Hmm? I'm liberated in this form. This is an example of a Mahabhagavata. Jiva Goswami has explained in Bhakti Sandarbha that there are three types of Mahabhagavatas. There is the Bhagavat Prapta Deha. There these are the technical terms. There is the uh, Nirduta Kashai and Murchita Kashai. Nard here is the example of Bhagavat Prapta Deha. That Mahabhagavata who has who is situated in his spiritual form in this world. This is difficult to meet, this kind of Mahabhagavata. Then, Nirtutukashai means the example given by Jiva Goswami is Sukadeva Goswami. He is completely... It completely has completely eradicated the the one side, mm-hmm. but is it fully situated in the spiritual body in this world? Mm-hmm. And then, muchitikashai. Muchitikashai means muchita means he's he is still in the heart. There are some vasanas, some scars for material life, but. He's engaged in bhakti to such an extent that they never have the opportunity to fructify. Indeed, Bhagavan turns them in, ch- turns them into the bhakti, bhakti so to speak. Hmm? They should start to come up. And while Narada is the example of the first, and Sugadev is the example that that um, Jiva Goswami gives of the second. Nard again is the example of the third hmm? in terms of how Jiva Goswami has explained this chapter. 
Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur has explained it a little differently. Prabhupada has followed the lead of Jiva Goswami. Hmm? We mentioned this earlier in the previous chapter. When the story began, hmm? we find that that Vishwanath saw Prem developed already. Now Narada is asked, now Vyasa is asking further questions. Jiva Goswami and Prabhupada are looking at it a little differently. Prem is yet yet to come. Hmm? In this chapter, so that will come up as we, as we go on. Either way, it's not like one's right or the other. They're using the the story and appropriately so to teach, what uh, what we need, uh, that there are developmental stages to to bhakti culminating in prema and so forth. And, uh, what they constitute of, and we've heard some of this already. Mm-hmm. That there is a swarup to be attained, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So here we find if, if, and, and that. Obviously, Nard here is the first example. Hmm? Later, just before he gets his swarup, we'll hear Krishna appears to him, gives him darshan, and disappears. Jiva Goswami said, "In that place, that he is there. He is the example at that stage in his progress. He's the example of the Murtikashai. So, still, some slight trace of Satvaguna, hmm? but he's a Mahabhagavata." You could say he's a Kanishta Mahabhagavata. <laughs> and there's the Madhya Mahabhagavata and the Uta Mahabhagavata. Once Pujaspad Sridhar Marsh talked about three types of uh, gurus, they really parallel what Jiva Goswami is speaking of. He said, There is the guru who has two feet in the spiritual world and extends one here. This is like Narada. Hmm? Then there is the one who has two feet here and extends one there. Both feet aren't there yet, but one foot's there. And the third type is both feet are here, but his eyes are always there. Not moving from there. These people, these are three types of of gurus. The last type is like, I've given an example. If you go west... Fast enough, you'll always be in the sun, even though you're not on the sun planet. You'll always be in the light of the sun, something like that. So Nard is the example here at this point in the Bhagavatam, in his Swarup with his Veena, Radhika Ramana, Nami, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes him. As Bhagavat Prapta Deva, we don't see too many people floating around in their Swarups. <laughs> This is a this is rather uh, a rare situation. We talked about it before. The greater balance of the of the siddhas we meet are sadaka siddhas. They become siddhas through their sadhana, through kripa, through mercy, and so forth. And they've set an extraordinary example for us that the path can be tread and you can be successful. Sometimes there's the idea that the the siddha comes from the other world to here. And sometimes they they say they all come from here, and this, and then you start to wonder: Does anybody go from here to there? Is there are there any examples? Is I've heard people get discouraged by that idea by saying: Are there any examples of anybody that you know becomes perfect by sadhana? And yes, the fact is there are many. And the idea that one comes from there to here is troublesome, actually, theologically, as I explained. In one of the previous discussions we had, because, well, the general idea is that the Lord's associates are with the Lord. He won't let them go. They come when He comes. Narada, what is it? Uh, Naratam, what does He pray? Gorangera sange goni nityasita kodimane. He's Naratam. He's come after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu have come and gone. And He says, Gorangera Sangigani, the associates of Gor, Nityasiddha Korimani, they are all Nityasiddhas, they all come with him. Hmm? But that they would come and leave him to come here, it's it's a little troublesome, actually, theologically. Bhagavan would have a very great difficulty not not having their company. Hmm? Uh, it's mentioned actually by the great uh, Baladi Vidyabhushan in his final words to his commentary on the sutras, Gobinda Basha, 
Nabrati Shabdat, Anabrati Shabdat. It says, going there, one never returns. Going there, one never returns. It also says, by sound, the sound says so. The sound says so. Hmm? Or it can be interpreted by Nam. One will go and never re- goes to where one never returns. And it's emphasized, said twice, one never returns, one never returns. He says there in his commentary, even if one wanted to return, Bhagavan couldn't let him. Hmm? He couldn't let him. He, he, he's, he's endeared himself so much to the Godhead, to Vishnu, to Krishna, that Krishna could not possibly let him go. Hmm? Krishna says it twice, this, this statement is twice in the Gita. Going there, one never returns. Hmm? Important point, of course. So, that... But there are some examples. I mean, Nard is here, but Nard is a very special person in the Bhagavat lore. I mean, sometimes he's considered to be, he's listed amongst the avatars, for that matter. He's considered a sadhana siddha and an ijasiddha, both. What he's teaching here, though, what is Narada teaching? In the context of this teaching, if you ask, he's teaching, I became a sadhana siddha. This is what he's teaching. Narada isn't teaching, I'm a Nityasiddha, I came from the other world, you know, to tell you about it, to come back. He's teaching, I was the son of a maidservant. And as I said earlier, in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, he says, in a life previous to my life as a son of a maidservant, that's going way back because <laughs> the life as a son of a maidservant was like a kalpa ago. Hmm? He says, previous to that, I was a Gandharva. I offended the Sankirtan party. Therefore, I had to take birth as a son of a maidservant. Mm-hmm. And what did, I, what did I get? What Where did I find myself? In a very low birth, in the midst of a kirtan. Mm-hmm. The, the devotees came to my house and they did kirtan there in my youth, and I took to that. Mm-hmm. So, he, in, so, in other words, he's telling his story. He's telling the story of a sadhana siddha. This is the story you want to hear. This is your own story. Hmm? Of course, soon you'll become a guru and your disciples will all say, he's an Itchisiddha and so forth. <laughs> no, <laughs> you tell him. No, that's... The sadhana Prabhupada was asked, of course, which is better, the sadhana siddha or the Nityasiddha? There's a letter one of his disciples wrote to him and Prabhupada said, the important word here is Siddha. Nothing else matters. Whether you were always there or you became the God there somehow later, <laughs> if you're a Siddha, you're a Siddha. There's no difference. There is a slight difference between the Nitya Siddhas and the Sadhana Siddhas. Mm-hmm. That, 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 in that a Nitya Siddha may be constituted of Swarup Shakti, and in Sadhana Siddha is constituted of Tatasta Shakti, but is filled with the ingress of Sarup Shakti. But in, for all intents and purposes, there's no difference. He functions in the spiritual world, hmm? and just like uh, like everyone else. Hmm? Uh, he doesn't have any less of. He, he indeed, he gets the prem, the bhava, and the prem that those Nitya Siddhas exemplify. He follows in the wake of that. He tastes that. So, so this all, what this chapter is about, and it's uh, of course it's done in the in painted with a broad brush, mm. and it's up to the Gaudiya commentators to to refine it for us and help us appreciate what's being said here and how it's pertinent to us, how it pertains to us. But let us end at least with this: as I said earlier, there is a place for inquiry, mm. and there is a place for this kind of inquiry also. And some days, sometimes today in, in the Gaudiya circles, is thought this kind of inquiry is not to be uh, en- entertained. Hmm? So, are there any questions? Yes. Sadhana Siddhas, it's all, we become by mercy, by the mercy of the Guru, by Kripa, we become Siddhas. Um, 
Yeah, that's not the teaching of Rupa Goswami. That's not the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We don't find anything, any teaching like that. Why they teach sadhana. Rupa Goswami embodied the sadhana and uh, taught it by example in Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami, and so forth. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself did. He's Krishna and his Acharya Lila. Achar means behavior, example. They, 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 they taught the way. Hmm? And they didn't teach it the way was you can't even do any sadhana, you just got to get mercy and then... No. You need mercy, yeah. You need mercy even to do sadhana, that's a fact. You can become perfect by kripa alone, or you can become perfect by sadhana. Hmm? There may be example of someone who doesn't has not performed sadhana and became perfect. Hmm? But most examples are they... they... Uh, got the mercy and learned the sadhana and they practiced and so forth. So, no, that's not true. But the Afterdev is like the answer man. He had been written all of the Vedas. He had just been sitting in meditation, looking into the future. He gives Sanjay the ability to witness the Bhagavad Gita. Why is he asking these questions of Narada? Uh-huh. Well, because in terms of his task, he had not completed it. His task was to take the, the Shabda, hmm? the current of sound, knowledge, if you will, and put it into literary form. And he had done it in many different ways. But the essence of that, the way he had done it, was such that it could be misconstrued to be uh, equally, um, for example, emphasizing, it could be by jnana, by karma, by yoga, Hmm. something like that. Um, he did not give sufficient emphasis on bhakti anywhere to make it clear hmm, that uh, as to the highway of, of, of bhakti, so to speak, that jnana and karma have, 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 um, have, have meaning in relation to, without which they they are like tributaries coming from the glacier that will never make it to the to the Bay of Bengal. But if they enter the Ganges of Bhakti, they will. Hmm? So unto themselves, they cannot fulfill the self. Karma, the path of karma cannot fulfill the self. The path of Gyan cannot fulfill the self. Vyas wrote. He wrote a little bit about Bhakti in the in, in, in the Gita and, and, and you know in the uh, the um, Padma Purana and so forth, other places. Mahabharata and so forth, but you know, Mahabharata is a big book and it's mostly about Dharma. And then the Gita's in there in one chapter, and even that people debate whether it's about Bhakti, Bhakti is subordinate to Gyan, or Gyan is subordinate to Bhakti, and and so forth. Um, and so, uh, he, as neither of these paths, Gyan or Bhakti, will fulfill the self, writing about. <laughs> the sacred knowledge in such a way <laughs> it's this way no now it's this way yeah <laughs> writing about this not this uh, this 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 uh, the veda if you will sharing it putting it in literary form as he did in such a way that one might feel as equally justified to take up gyan karma or yoga or bhakti or something like that as these paths Gyan and karma won't satisfy the self. Writing about it in that way didn't satisfy Vyas. He felt undone. I haven't given it completely. And Narada said, of course you haven't. The way you've done it, in fact, it's it's a disservice to the world. Uh, you have to come right out and say it and speak about bhakti in no uncertain terms. Therefore, you're a very qualified person. He said, samadhi nanusmara Go and sit. This will come in the next chapter. Go and sit in meditation on Krishna Lila. Hmm? And then the samadhi bhasha, the, langu- the trance language 
that Shrimad Bhagavatam is came out of Vyasa, came out of his trance. The trance of Vyasa is described in the next chapter, the seventh chapter by Sutta Goswami. And that is the hub around which the Bhagavatam orbits in one sense. What Vyasa saw in his trance, what he experienced there, is the basis of the whole book that he wrote, which is Srimad Bhagavatam. And there we will find, that when we get there, we will find the Chintibeda Beda. Hmm? In his trance, we will find there is the Jiva, there is the Maya Shakti, there is the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? We will find what is the relationship between Bhagwan and the world, the world and the Jivas, the Jivas and Bhagwan, and so forth. And we will find a, a, a Chintibeda Beda philosophy. And so, well, we might find statements in the Bhagavatam, just pick one out, it might sound like, hmm, this sounds like Advaita Vedanta. Hmm. We have to look at that in relation to the trance of Vyas, because that's what gave rise to the book, the Bhagavatam. Nard told him, sit in samadhi, and, and, actually, we, we do already came to that verse, didn't we? You sit in samadhi, then it will, then he will, and he will. Uh, what, what that? What was the result of that samadhi? What was the experience? That's described in the next chapter, as I say. So uh, that's what Bhagavatam is. The samadhi basha of of uh, of, uh, of Vyasa, and it's all all about bhakti. Not only it's all about bhakti, but it's all about Krishna bhakti, rag bhakti. It's about the bhakti to the extreme. So he's feeling complete now. Hmm after writing the Bhagavatam, he put it out there. And it's clear. His whole work is clear now. There's a place for Gyan, Karma, and so forth, when you have the Bhakti there in the center. And Bhakti alone will fulfill the Self. That will uh, afford it its full potential. So Vyasa is saying, my, I, not, I don't feel... my." I, I feel I'm, I'm undone. I'm com- incomplete. What's wrong? What, what, what haven't I, what haven't I done? And this is what Nard instructed. You instructed about karma. You instructed about gyan in such a way that people can misconstrue. You haven't talked about bhakti in such a way, and and by the way, only bhakti will satisfy the self completely. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's also shown in the previous chapter, uh, and uh, that 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 you know, vyas is vyas, as you said. Hmm? Nard is Nard. I mean, these are all all knowers, but still, they're in these roles for the sake of, of teaching. That has to be. That has been brought out as well. So he has that trance, and then he writes about it. And where does that come up? Is that the Chatur Sloki? No, no, no. The Chatur Sloki. That is Krishna speaking to Brahma hmm? at the dawn of creation. What happens, Krishna speaks to Brahma, the dawn of creation, in four shlokas. Actually, six, but two of them are introductory. And you can say the whole of the Bhagavatam is given there. Now, Brahma gives it to Narada. What's happening here, this is the Narada Bhagavatam. Narada is giving it to Vyas. That's what's happening here. Sometimes it's called Narada Bhagavatam. This, uh, this previous chapter, and a little bit this chapter too, he's giving him the essence of the Bhagavatam. Then Vyasa will take it and write about it. He'll teach Sukadev the Bhagavatam. And in Sukadev will teach Raj Parikshit. And in the assembly, Sutta Goswami heard it and he's reiterating it to the sages of Naimisharanya. This is the form of the Bhagavatam we have. And then, you know, a lot of other things happened and Prabhupada got it from Bhakti Siddhanta. And I got it from Prabhupada. And, and <laughs> we're doing the Bhagavatam here again and again, something like that. What's, what is in that original Bhagavatam that Yas teaches to Shukadeva? Like, because it goes through all kinds of conversations, Maitreya and Vidura. Yas teaches to Narada. What is in the, what, it, what, what is your, what is in the... The original Bhagavatam yeah. Brahma puts together after hearing from Narada. Yeah. It seems like what yeah. we have now is it's like expanded. Yeah, well, you have Sutta Goswami is 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 rendering the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He takes whatever the three introductory verses of Vyas, and then he starts to tell the story, and 
in the story he tells another story and that leads to another story and conversation within conversations and and so on and so forth. This is a Puranic kind of a setting. So the Bhagavat has been taken, it's, it's actually Shruti. Shruti Sarva may come. It is spoken by Brahma, Krishna to Brahma. So it's Shruti. It's not a Smriti. Do you understand? Hmm? Shruti is like the Veda, spoken directly by Bhagwan. Hmm? Smriti is like remembering it and reiterating it, something like that. But in essence, therefore the Bhagavatam itself says, Shruti Sarva may come, is the essence of the Shruti. This, the implication is also it was spoken by Krishna directly to Brahma. That's why we say Gita Upanishad. We classify the Gita as an Upanishad, even though it falls in the in the context of an Itihasa in the form of, of the name Mahabharata, because hmm? it was spoken directly by Krishna. So it's Bhagavad Gita, or sometimes it's called Gita Upanishad. Anyway, so but here what we find is that that essential Vedic truth is put in a Bhagavad context. So uh, there are certain things that, or excuse me, excuse me, a Puranic context for the sake of making it known, hmm, more readily understandable. And so there are certain things that have to be there in a Purana. There are five or so things that, that are part of a Purana. There have to be a list of the dynasties, there has to be some description of creation, and so forth. These things are explained by Jiva Goswami and Tattva Sandarbha. So that it's so the teachers are giving it a Puranic setting. It's like if I was to speak the Bhagavatam today, I might give it a contemporary setting. And you know, like if as much as my speaking about Bhagavatam, for example, somebody else today is also the Bhagavatam, we might tell a story and you know, I talked about some scientists we heard and so on. And they said this and he said that and then where's he going? And then we're back here and oh yeah, that's what we were talking about and that kind of thing. So as the classes can be like that, you know, I might speak like this and then go off here and come back and you're way out here and then I come back here again and go, oh yeah, that's what he was saying, right? So the Bhagavatam works like that, Bhagavatkata, something like that. Hmm? So that's the setting, it's the way of telling, it's the way in which the four essential verses have been reiterated and rehashed and explained directly and indirectly through stories and narratives and it involves things like truths, like, like. It, no matter how much you acquire materially, you'll never be satisfied. Therefore, there are stories in the Bhagavatam of kings giving up their kingdoms. Hmm? It's not so important, the whole story of the... Can you move over a little bit? <laughs> Thank you. It's not so important, every detail of the story of the king. They have an overriding message. Hmm? It could be distilled down to, you know, something that that is as significant as, as that point that I just raised, for example. That help? Yeah. I'm just wondering what areas are like the seed part of the original Bhagavatam that Yasudev What he heard from Narada. That's in this previous chapter. It's about, what, 12, 14 verses or something like that. Hmm. He's basically saying, Anyabhilashita sunyam gyan karmadi anavritam anukulena krishna anushilanam bhakti rutamats. Rupa Goswami's verse. He's defining what is bhakti, what bhakti is not, and so forth. He's He's identifying the object, the perfect object of bhakti, Vasudev, Sri Krishna himself. Uh, um, he's speaking about, uh, you know, Sambandha, Prayojan, Abhideya, Prayojan, hmm, these kind of things. So, this part, Narada speaking to Vyas, that's like even before, well, that's like planting the seed. Something like that, yeah. The whole, the original. Yeah. 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 And of course, what also the Bhagavatam is is the story of Krishna. Hmm? So you know, here giving the underlying philosophical uh, canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn, hmm? and then the Leela and the Leelas teaches us so many things. Also, hmm? it, it it really it it, it artfully 
exemplifies the, the, that canvas, so to speak. It, it brings the canvas to life. What that philosophical canvas uh, implies, and so forth. They, they work together. It's uh, so. You know, the story of, of of God is the story of the world. The world's a person, and it's it's just not us. It's Krishna. It's a very interesting concept. What else? With regard to Pranipat, seems like inquiry, Pranipat, the Sevaya, and, and uh, inquiry with service is done on a level of love and trust and, and complete um, confidence in, in, from the inquirer to the person. There, there also seems to be a place for inquiry uh, where someone is sincere, but they may not have they may not have uh, complete confidence. They may not be ready for yeah. surrender. Yeah. Yeah, but that they can still be inquired submissively and in, 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 in uh, it's, it's not in order to be argumentative. And certainly there's a place for, like I said, come before the guru in doubt. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Raise your doubts. Of course, you bring all your doubts. And that's what the business is. Yeah, what is it? To slay, slay them with the sword of knowledge. So the guru wields the sword of knowledge and slays the doubts. So sometimes people come and think, I shouldn't have any doubts, so I won't voice them or whatever. Well, then they voice them and the guru says, you shouldn't have any doubts. (laughs) (laughs) So he's wrong for having a doubt. Guru should be faulted for not having the answer. Let's step there. Gantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Vajagopal ki jai, O Bhaktivrinda ki jai, O Pramanandi.